Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. One, two, three. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. We did have our groups, guys. We like to go to clubs. They kind of hung out. Who was that group? Uh, no names. <laughs> He's giving Patrick a hard time about wearing robes. Well, he did too. He did too? Both we did? Yeah, he wore robes too. <laughs> I am Charlie Ward, and you're listening to It's a Hard Nick's Life. What up, Knicks fans, and welcome to Season 4 of It's a Hard Knicks Life. And what is up? Still here for Season 4. He's made it. He's made it all the way to 4. <laughs> Thanks. From what, 2 or 1.5? I don't even remember it's been so It long. was like half, I think. Half? Yeah. Half of Season 1 yeah. or half of Season 2? I think half of Season 1. Mm, I, don't, I don't know if you were in Season 1, Barry. I don't know either. Who the fuck cares? It is Barry motherfucking D. What is up, Craig? And the new star of the show, he used to be the third wheel, but I don't think we can call him a third wheel anymore, right, Barry? No, he's elevated his game. He's adjusted rather quickly. He's become a fan fave. And some of you who maybe, you know, you sat out during some of the the, pa- the pause of the NBA season and the time off, hopefully you're back now. But I'd like to introduce all of you who have not met him yet. This is the newsman, the blandest of them all, but he's not bland anymore. Blanderson Hooper, a.k.a. his real name, Jay. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you today? <laughs> See what I'm go. telling you? Lives up to the bland. <laughs> you just heard some clips from our conversation today with Charlie Ward. You're going to hear more of that later. We talked about his thoughts on the 90s Knicks, obviously. First impressions of New York City when he first came here. The upcoming draft. Robes were big, apparently, in the Knicks locker room. It's comfortable. Yes, that's right. Why not? Oakley's dance moves and much more. That's coming later. If you listen to our show... If you like it, please subscribe, leave us some five-star ratings, and or positive reviews. Because this is the one podcast... Here we go. (laughs) ...that truly... Like, let's face it, we all know. This makes a difference in your hard Nick's life. How are you guys doing? It's been, uh, like, eight hours since we talked last time. (laughs) It's been a good day. Good day. (laughs) It was great catching up with Charlie. We don't get the opportunity to speak to many Knicks or former Knicks on this show. When you say many, do you mean any? I think you mean any. We've had, well, we've had on Frank's groin. We've had on (laughs) But that's just a piece of the body. That's not a We had Iggy that time. We had Iggy. We had Iggy Brasdakis on. Right. That's right. Can't forget that. That was huge. Uh, But this was Charlie Ward, and we all got to confess our love for him and his teammates. I think Barry came on pretty strong there at the beginning. Well, it was was true. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess everyone will find out later. All right, guys. The NFL season, it's it's happening. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. Barry, any good bets? Are those prop bets on the draft? Is that what they call it? Well, they have prop bets, and they've got futures. They actually added more stuff for the draft betting. So remember when I I told you guys last time, you can bet if a player is going to be over two and a half or under two and a half. 
now okay. you can actually bet on if they will be that actual pick. So if you want to if you want to choose the second overall pick and you believe it's Edwards or Denny Avdia or Obi Toppin, there's some big money. So if you think Golden State's going to go after Obi Toppin, it's plus 1200 on Oof. that bet. So th- there's and some some big odds if you want to gamble that. Who's the favorite one. to go to right now? The favorite to go to right now is Wiseman. And who's the favorite to go one? LaMelo? Uh, number one. See, that you can't bet on, actually. Um, wow. Oh, no. It's uh, Edwards. I'm sorry. So to make bets like that or any other sports betting action, go to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, guys, we are exactly one week away from this recording of the NBA draft. And we're about, what are we, Jay? You know you know the details. The 18th. Two days after that, free, free agency. agency. You can start at 6 p.m. on the 20th, Eastern Time, talking and negotiating. And then at 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 22nd, signings can actually be announced officially. It's going to be an exciting couple weeks. I know a lot of draft rumors are coming out right now. A lot came out today. Hearing rumors that the Knicks are one of just a few teams vying for the number two spot right now. But word also came out that today LaMelo worked out for the Wolves. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Jonathan Givney of ESPN expects the Wolves to take him at number one, which I I fully believe LaMelo is going number one. I mean, we've been hearing over the past week or two that he might be dropping out of the top three, out of the top four. I think that's all bullshit. For for the longest for a long time now, he's been regarded as the number one pick in this draft. And always, as you get closer to the, to the draft, it seems that those guys rumors start to happen that some other guys might go first. And then it's always it's always the guy that goes first that everyone expected. Right? You start overthinking shit. Everybody starts yeah. overthinking and reanalyzing, and then you know you, you, it's almost like you get bored of your own thoughts that like you've been sitting with the same thought for weeks and it's like you want to have a new take all of a sudden so you find flaws here or you find upgrades for players there and you change shit up coming to that realization that hurts a little bit because i think we know that there's literally no chance the knicks are able to move yeah, up no. to number one in this draft without giving up major 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 or all of their assets pretty much no two is the spot that's realistic. If you really wanted to make that move for two, you can get it done. Now, I have a question about that, though. If if we're trying to get into two, which is what you're hearing, you're also hearing that Leon Rose is, I put this in quotes, dying to get Obi Toppin in some way. I mean, I can't, ass- I can't, I, I have to assume we're not trading up to two to get Obi Toppin. No. You should got to just stay at eight and see if he happens to fall to you. No. Maybe make a trade to move up a couple spots, but you don't need to give up all these assets to get Obi no. Toppin at two. No, I think you'd be dying to get Obi Toppin at eight. You know, if you're staying put where you are, you would die to get him at eight. If he's there at eight, I, I think that that's entirely something that you might regret not going after. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing, though. There's, um, you know, you've got probably about five players that you can mix them around, and one of these guys can be a breakout star. And, you know, you look back and you'll say, wow, I can't believe we let him slip through our fingers. Let's say it's it's a given. LaMelo's going number one. And let's say we're still trying to move up to two. Who do you think we're trying to move up for? Is it James Wiseman? Is it Anthony Edwards? We haven't heard the Knicks connected to Edwards at all. We've heard they liked uh, James Wiseman. Don't know if it's true. We know they like LaMelo Ball. We know that they like Obi Toppin now. We've heard they like Killian Hayes. But would they really consider trading 
Because I got to assume you'd have to trade Mitch and eight at the very least to get up to two, like we've discussed in the past. Would you trade Mitch and eight to go after James Wiseman? What did he play three games? See, three three games before they sat him? Very little. I mean, <laughs> maybe three. Well, the thing is, I don't think Golden State would do it. I don't think they're going to look at Mitchell Robinson and say, wow, we've got a player here that's going to outperform Wiseman. I think there's... No, they want players to help them now, right? Yeah, and I think Wiseman is going to come into the league and, excuse me, you know, anybody that, that you know, is head over... Look, I, I like Mitchell Robinson just as much as the next guy, but, I mean, there's a, there's a great chance Wiseman is going to come into this league and in year one, he's going to be past where Robinson is now. He's he's there. So let's say Golden State was into that. You would you would you would you would make that move. I didn't say that, Craig. <laughs> what I'm saying is that Golden State won't make that move. Not for okay. Robinson and eight. They, I don't think they're in the position to do that. I think Wiseman fits a need for them because he's polished and and they're they're stacked everywhere else. I don't think they're they're looking for these young players and an eighth pick in the draft that they you know have to hope is going to help them. Look, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to look to get back to the finals where they were two years ago. And uh, I, I don't think Mitchell Robinson, a number eight pick, is going to look as good to them as number two. And going back to if I'm on the Knicks end of it, I don't think I want to do that. You know, I I, I, I want to keep Mitch and I, and I, there's enough guys in this draft that I like at that, you know, eight spot that are going to do more for me than Wiseman will. Yeah, that makes sense. Keeping Robinson. There's only two players in this draft that I would trade up for that high, and it's it's Edwards and Lamelo. I'm I'm with you. That's it. Beyond that, those other guys: Avdija, Toppin, Okongwu, Williams, Halliburton, Okoro, Hayes. Any of them can be at eight. We don't know. It's so the draft is so all over the place, and everyone's mock drafts are are just all over the place. Killian Hayes right now. People are saying it could go in the 10 to 12 range. The ESPN he had was, their he was, mock draft th- tonight. He was going three like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it last week. Some big boards have him, at, yeah, in that top three. And uh, yeah, they were saying on ESPN they could see him anywhere, you know, all the way down to 14. Um, and and I mean, honestly, that that's where I see him. I don't see, you know, what, what some of these other guys are seeing. You're not seeing what half of the Knicks fan base is seeing because no. half of the Knicks fan base thinks we should move up to three to get him pretty much. No, and, and, and I saw people complaining about, you know, that they had Halliburton, you know, going to the Knicks in this mock draft. I would I would love that. Oh, Barry loves Halliburton. And a lot of Knicks fans don't like Halliburton. Yeah, I don't and understand I haven't gotten, that either. I haven't gotten the, we definitely have not gotten a sense that the Knicks like him. We haven't heard anything. We have not heard one inkling of the Knicks being into Halliburton. I don't think he's worked out for them. All indications are that they're not that into him. So a lot of Knicks fans are probably happy about that. I know that we like him, but we're definitely in the minority yeah, I don't, as far I don't as get Knicks it. Fans. I mean, he's he's a facilitator. He throws the lob really nice. He passes the ball well. He shoots really well. He he does so much so well. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you don't like a player like that. Again, I, I think in this draft, I think he's a great get at eight in this draft. And now some latest rumors for Westbrook. I know... I, Maybe like a month ago, there were rumors that the Rockets might try to trade Westbrook. There was a big conversation amongst Knicks fans whether the Knicks should or shouldn't go after him. And then the Rockets, what was it, the Rockets owner? The Rockets owner said they were not trading Harden or Westbrook. They're still trying to win now. Then obviously Daryl Morey changes teams. And now all of a sudden, today some rumors came out that both Harden and Westbrook were questioning the future of the franchise, which I think puts both of their futures in doubt. But then a serious rumor, because we know 
when it comes from Shams Trainer or Woj, it's serious, is that Westbrook wants out of Houston. And there's a report that there's four teams on his list, which made me feel much more at ease. The four teams are the Bucks, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Hawks. Now, it's kind of crazy to me that this is all coming out a week before the draft, a little bit more than a week before teams can start making deals like this. This is going to be a crazy few weeks. <laughs> it's also weird that those would be his four teams. I mean, three out of those four are the top three teams in the NBA. And then he has the Hawks in there. Maybe he just wants to yeah. play with Trey Young. Trey Young grew up in Oklahoma. They have like a mentor-mentee kind of relationship, it looks like. It could just be as simple as that, the, the, the Oklahoma connection. All right, guys, let's make some predictions for the draft. All right, we're a week away. I'm going to put Blandy on the spot first. Blandy, are the Knicks staying at eight? Or are they moving? And who are they taking? I say they stay. Who are they taking? I don't have the slightest idea. I really don't have any clue. <laughs> Very. This, this is how Jay starts the news every week. At the I, end I mean, show. seriously, though. Just thinking you, out can, loud. Can you, can you pin down one person that you think they're going to take? I mean, I'm not betting my life on it, so I'm just going to pick somebody and see what All happens. Right. Devin Vassell. What? Um, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Barry, are they staying at eight? Are they moving up, down, and who are they taking? They're staying at eight. It's always a safe bet. There's always talk about <laughs> That's the why Knicks I'm moving going up that, or down. More of a and chance. they always fucking stay at eight. Um, Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> <laughs> you heard those rumors that, that, that they're real? No. <laughs> that it could be Maxey? No. Oh, no, God, no. <laughs> Looks like he's falling Max. back down a bit after moving up. Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro at eight for Barry. Again, that's not what I want. That's just my prediction. For me, Killian Hayes at eight. That's what I'm going with. It seems like everything's falling into place for that to possibly happen. Right. The Knicks have liked him from the start. He was their second point guard behind LaMelo. We know they want a point guard desperately, and they need a point guard desperately. Suddenly, he's falling to 10. They've Everyone's always said if he somehow fell to the Knicks, they'd be ecstatic. I'm going Killian Hayes at eight. Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company is changing the crumb cake game, and now they've got some flavors making a comeback. Kitty's Carrot Crumb Cake, Campfire Crumb Cake, Caramel Apple Crumb Cake are back for the rest of the year. We said that on the last show, and they are still there for a limited time only. And you can get the crumb cake of the month, Jack. Yes, you can. Pumpkin, chocolate chips. Sounds delicious. Some sort of pumpkin cream cheese frosting. Pumpkin spice cream cheese frosting. And remember, the uh, the crumb cake of the month ships for free. So that on top of our coupon? Yeah, you can't use both of them at the same time, unfortunately. Mm, not according to what I just put in my cart on the Clarkson Ave website. Really? That used to not be the case. It says coupon ship for free, free shipping, then coupon Hardnix Life minus eight dollars and five cents. You're at the checkout. I mean, let's see. Proceed to checkout. You know my address, right? Did you sign us up for the Crumb Cake of the Month Club? What a guy, Jay. Thank you. I mean, I have to fill in all this stuff, but they do do no, corporate no, it, gifting, it, Craig. It. They it, do. It takes off both, boys. Awesome. So so. Free shipping and the Hardnicks Life promo code. Yeah, which code. takes off another $8.05. Yeah, get on there now before they hear this and change that. They're going to figure this out and take it <laughs> off because it is not supposed to be that way. Well, Go to ClarksonAvCrumb.com, use promo code Hardnicks Life for 23% off your order and get that free shipping like That's Randy's right. about to do. What did you order? Uh, I've got the great pumpkin crumb cake in my in my uh, cart here. Are you going to share that with anyone in your house? Yeah, my children, they love pumpkin, like anything pumpkin, so... So you will share that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the hope is that they don't like it. Right, ideally. I mean, if they do, you know, I'm more than willing to share it. I mean, it, they are my children. Well, from sharing delicious Clarkson Avenue crumb cakes with your children to one of the great Knicks, 
What a segue here, guys. <laughs> right? Drafted in 1994 by the Knicks with the 26th pick in the first round. And he went on to have a great nine-plus-year career in New York. Part of those 90s Knicks teams we all love. Joining us right now, we have Charlie Ward. Charlie, thank you for coming on, my man. I uh, appreciate you all having me. Oh, we've been looking forward to this for <laughs> ever since we heard you might come on. So My pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, Charlie, to start off, I have to tell you what an honor this is because you're speaking to three Knicks fans who grew up together during the 90s. We were, when you came to the Knicks, we were probably like 16 or 17 years old. Okay. The three of us were often there at the garden cheering you, Mace, Patrick, Starks, Oakley, the whole group. So you really played a huge role in making the three of us Knicks fans for life. So I don't know if I should be blaming you or thanking you right now, Charlie. <laughs> Well, I was just part of a group. Before I got there, they, were, they had some great success. And so um, I just hit it at the right time as far as uh, the organization, the teams. Uh, we had some great, great teams. I uh, had some great games, uh, some great memories. I was blessed to be able to have a nine and a half year career in New York. Um, and so I, I can't complain. Yeah, well, let's talk about probably your first memory as being a Nick. Obviously, you you came from FSU. You won, you won the Heisman. You won the national championship there, right? You played on a national stage. And just to say how huge of a spotlight it is, like I didn't follow college football at all, but I knew, well, I, I, I really knew who you were. You know, you got me excited about college football. I remember, I remember watching FSU games and I didn't watch college football. You know, in high school, I was really just into basketball. So, and then when you were drafted by the Knicks and I already had a familiarity, you know, with you, it was it was just it was an awesome uh, an awesome time. Sorry to cut you off, Craig. No, it's all right. You sound like a you sound a little different this morning. I don't know if you want to take a drink of water, Barry. <clears throat> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, but getting back to that, so so you you did all that, and it, but then you were drafted by the Knicks in, after they went to the finals in 1994, 26 pick, coming to New York. Even though you experienced all that at FSU. What was it like getting drafted by the Knicks? And more importantly, what was it like stepping onto that garden floor, you know, at the time when the Knicks, you know, were the talk of the town? It was raucous. The energy was crazy. Well, I didn't play much uh, my, my rookie year. I was just happy to have a job. I mean, you know, most people after college, uh, you know, whenever they're able to um, get a job, they're excited about it. And so for me, I was excited about the opportunity to have a job uh, doing something that, you know, most people, um, especially athletes, enjoy, which is um, playing professional, uh, playing a professional sport. And so uh, that alone was a great excitement. You know, that's what you dream of as a young kid um, and going through college. You know, I put myself in a position to be able to be drafted in both football and basketball. And then the opportunity presented itself for me to have a job in the NBA. It wasn't anything overwhelming because playing on the stage that I played on in college, um, all the many games, I uh, was never a doubt that I couldn't play in the NBA. You know, it was just a matter of me just finally getting an opportunity to, to focus on one sport. Um, but the excitement of just being a uh, a professional athlete was uh, was amazing. Um, and then, you know, after being in New York uh, for the Heisman a few months before and saying that I could never live in New York, and then God placed me right where I said I never could live and he 
kept me there for <laughs> 10 years. So, And what made you say that you could never live in New York at the time? Uh, well, of course, coming from small town, uh, Thomasville, Georgia, and then going to Tallahassee, which is a little bit bigger than Thomasville. Um, and New York is definitely a different place, as you all know. But I had this preconceived notion of New York, uh, people being rude, crazy driving, you know, because that's all the things we saw on the news. Mm -hmm. um, people stealing, killing, those types of things. That's kind of stuff that you associated with New York and people taking, you know, you walking down the streets and people picking your pocket. That's all the things, <laughs> perceptions, you know, right. you saw of New York. You know, when I got there, I kind of saw some of that. I didn't see all of it, the things that I, but I saw, you know, the hustle and bustle. Uh, you know, here you speak to people. Uh, there, you know, you may speak, but people aren't going to speak back. And people are kind of in their own world, uh, whether it's walking down the street, uh, you know, in their own little world, and they're not thinking about the next person over. Um, and then when you get there and you start driving, I mean, there's people cutting people off, <laughs> horns blowing. And so it was just all those preconceived notions and um, and, I, and it was and it was a big city. I was kind of fearful of being in a big city because I was from a small town. Uh, but God definitely provided all the things that I needed to be able to uh, make it. And then I became one of the New Yorkers. <laughs> so I had to learn learn my way. After you were here for a few years, what was it like walking around New York City at that point? When I mean, I assume you were recognized, you know, being part of of the Knicks. I mean, the, the feeling was palpable in New York surrounding the Knicks. I mean, everybody just, just loved that team. There was so much buzz going around. I mean, you know, sometimes I got recognized, sometimes I didn't uh, because of just, you know, sometimes you were bundled up because it was cold. <laughs> I, I kind of blended in uh, most times because I wasn't tall. Um, I didn't look like, you know, a basketball player per se. So for those who came to the games and or watched the Knicks, they would recognize me, but it wasn't, you know, everyone. But, you know, being able to get into the community, uh, we, we I know I was there for Habitat for Humanity, did some work with the Knicks. Uh, we dedicated a few uh, basketball um, courts and a few of the parks. You know, I did a couple of bar mitzvahs. What's that like doing bar mitzvahs? Because Barry, Charlie didn't do our bar mitzvahs. <laughs> No, that would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I did. I, I've done a, I did a few, quite a few, actually. Uh, it's a very good experience. Yeah. Um, of course, it's, it's a different culture. You know, just being able to go and uh, support a young man who's going into manhood. Uh, and, you know, I can appreciate that aspect. No one had you play the game Coke and Pepsi, did they? There was this, uh, do you know what I'm talking about, that game? Uh, no. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> That's how much of a loser I am. There was this game, Coke and Pepsi, that was played at bar mitzvahs, where the the kids would be at two different ends of the dance floor, and they would there would be a person in the middle, and they'd yell Coke, and then the Coke side would run to the other side, sit on their laps, and they'd yell Pepsi, and the Pepsi side would run to the other, and basically the last people sitting on the other team member's lap would get eliminated, and it would just dwindle down. I won like seven Coke and Pepsis in a row during the bar mitzvah circuit of the mid-90s. So <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Going back, you know, to your days in the Knicks, you know, on the court, you know, you weren't the super flashy player. You didn't put up these huge numbers, but as we all know, that that's not what it takes to endear the fans 
of New York. You know, you epitomized what those 90s Knicks were about. You know, the hard work, um, the unselfish play, your leadership, your consistency. And it's really something that Knicks fans have been yearning, you know, probably since the 90s. And and it just hasn't been easy to come by. Why, why do you think that is? We really haven't gotten that feeling. Well, I know during our time, you know, we had solid teams. You know, we had the superstars. You had your role players. You know, we had stability as far as coaching for the most part. In my years there, there was some up and down, but we were able to make it through. Um, but it, it was evident that, you know, when you have instability in leadership, uh, you're going to have issues. And what I mean by that is, my second year, uh, we brought there's was Coach Don Nelson. I uh, came came to New York, and we weren't having a very good year because it was after Coach Rollett left and chosen to go to uh, Miami. The team just didn't gel under uh, Coach Nelson just because of the the personalities, the style of play that he wanted to to incorporate as opposed to what we we, we were coming from. And so we were able to overcome that when we went back to what our team was built on with Coach Jeff Van Gundy. And so after Coach Van Gundy took over, we were able to establish some stability there. And there are some issues in 99 uh, with the GM and coach and all those types of things. And that's kind of, you know, what's going on today or what's been going on for quite some time. Uh, but we were able to overcome that because the head coach was there. He was still there. Um, if they would have chosen to go uh, a different route uh, than Coach Van Gundy, then we were probably taking a nosedive uh, soon, you know, soon as they released him. But that kind of helped move us along and keep us afloat for, you know, the, most of the years that I was there. Uh, the issue started when we started to change management. Um, I mean, that's been the biggest issue uh, since the time uh, since I've, I know I, since I've left and it started, you know, my last couple of years weren't very good um, there as far as the team and playing. Um, it's very similar to what they're going through now. Um, but I just think and hope that Coach Thibodeau, Leon Rose and his staff would be able to at least bring some stability to, <clears throat> to the organization so they can be competitive. I just think it's uh, important for them to provide the necessary stability and, and not look at this as a, a one-year deal or two-year deal. It may be a little bit longer, but you want to see great progress. Uh, but you're going to have to develop, uh, de develop around some young players uh, with a mix of veterans at some point in time if you're trying to move forward. Uh, but it's be very interesting to see how they decide they want to move which direction they want to move. But I do know uh, that they'll, you know, the thing that can change is if the young players develop and they develop and they bring in, are able to bring in some veteran guys that can help them establish a good culture. And I know, I know Coach Thibodeau, um, you know, he worked with us when we were in, with the Knicks and also uh, in Houston. Um, he has a great track record of, you know, what he's been able to do in Chicago uh, not so much in Minnesota. I think hopefully this this new start would be able to give him that opportunity, you know, long term. I'm showing you a photo right now. I'm sure you've seen this photo, right, Charlie? No, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is 
you remember this incident, obviously. Everyone probably asked you about it. I'm not going to ask you about it. It's a well-known incident. This is when P.J. Brown, when, when you're boxing out P.J. Brown, that free throw in Game 5 in 97, it resulted in a, in a huge melee, I guess you'd say. A lot of Knicks players coming to your defense, leaving the bench. The Knicks, after this game, were up, we, we, we were up 3-2, or you were up 3-2. Right, ended up losing the series in seven. But you mentioned Thibodeau, you know, you mentioned Van Gundy, you mentioned you mentioned Riley, who's back there in the photo. Here you have John Wallace trying to peel PJ Brown off. I think you. I'm not sure. Do you know if those are your legs? Yes, those are mine. <laughs> those are your legs. Thibodeau right there in the foreground, right there in there with him. Obviously, he was one of the first guys coming to your defense in there, in a way. What kind of relationship did you have with Thibodeau back then? Could you just give us some insight as far as, I know he was just an assistant coach at that time, but did you see something in him? Was he very inspiring to play for? Did he teach you a lot? I know he was young at the time, so maybe you taught him a decent amount at that time, but just want to get some insight that maybe we probably don't know about Thibodeau. Uh, well, he's definitely matured over the years um, as far as just uh, learning how to deal with today's player. Uh, because back during my time, you know, it was definitely predicated a lot on just hard work, long work, you know, putting in long hours uh, because that's what he believed in. Um, and that's what he, you know, he was around with Coach Van Gundy. Um, and it was all just about basketball which, you know, there's a time and place for that. And I think he's learned now over the course of his time that, you know, there's a time for basketball. There's a time for, you know, outside things. Um, there's a time for family. Um, and so I think he's put all those things in perspective and that would definitely help him uh, long term. But one of the things about him from a basketball standpoint is he's a big believer, which most quality coaches or great coaches <clears throat> they believe in you know work <laughs> you know what I mean when you're there you're going to have to put in the work uh doing extra uh to help develop you know of course of time you know he used to be the one uh that would work with you know certain guys um you know after practice I mean when he was an assistant I mean you think about Yao Ming uh, Yao Ming was a guy that he worked with every single day after practice on his game. And Coach Van Gundy was my guy. I mean, all the coaches had their certain guys that they worked with and taught a lot of different things. I just know and I've seen him when he's coaching, even as a young guy, uh, he just believed in, you know, putting in the time and the energy and the work part to to be the best that you can be. Very detail-oriented, and, um, and, and I hope, you know, the young players and also the veterans uh, can come in and understand that, you know, if you're going to be the best, you got to at least pay attention to the details. And offensively, um, I think he's come around to, you know, more of putting a plan together based around his team. Um, I know for us, we used to run a lot of sets, uh, but in today's game, it's really, you you put in a set, but it has a lot of different components. Um, a lot of different concepts that you can run. Uh, but the key is, is allowing your guys to play uh, freely through some structure, through some structure, which I think he'll, he'll do. Yeah, if, if, if we go back to the, to the 90s, clearly things are, are not there. They were not the same back then as they, as they are today. There's no, there's no social media. You know, we didn't have insight into what the guys are doing off the court like we do now where, you know, we basically know everything that they're doing. What, what was it like for you guys on those teams back, 
uh, in the 90s? Were you guys close off the court? Did you socialize together? Were there, you know, little cliques or, or groups? How was it off the court? I mean, every team has cliques, if you want to call them cliques. Um, and cliques meaning clusters or groups um, where people who are close to one another, they are go to each other's houses and they may not invite everybody. Um, and so that's just the way things are. That's like Jay and Barry. They invite each other to everything and leave me out. <laughs> yeah, that does happen. Um, so we, um, we did have our groups, you know, guys who went to, you know, clubs, who liked to go to clubs. They, they kind of hung out. Who was in that group? Uh, no names. <laughs> um, you know, there was a group that, you know, we went to Bible study on the road. That was, you know, a group. Um, and then there was a group that, you know, liked to stay to themselves. And they would come and hang out every now and then or go out to eat. Um, we did have team events and those types of things. Uh, the guys did get along for the most part. Everyone did get along. Of course, you do have your squabbles, just like no different than any other friends or team. Um, and we were able to, you know, get through those. And sometimes we had to, you know, go through long periods where we had to manage, you know, those type of situations. Yeah. That's no different than any team. Um, and, but I think everyone, when it came down to it, we we're all for one another. Um, as you saw the, in the picture, you know, that was just my incident, but there were more incidents that happened, you know, before that, that, you know, teammates were coming to make sure and take care of their fellow teammates. Uh, that were in a you know incident. So I just think that just goes to show you the, the team unity, team camaraderie. Um, no matter what we did, clicks outside, but once we got in in the building, you know we were all for one another. Is it safe to assume that Oakley and Patrick weren't in the same clicks back then? Because Oakley's been kind of like poking fun at Patrick, I would say. Uh, I don't know, but that's Oakley. <laughs> That's just Oak, right? Yeah. We, pr we probably would have seen a lot more of that if we there was social media back then, but it's just I'm didn't sure. exist, right? I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he would have been a very, he would have been a social media guy. Um, <laughs> he, was giving, he was giving Patrick a hard time about wearing robes in the locker room. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he did too. He did too? Oakley did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody. everybody <laughs> yes. He, ro he wore robes too. We said, like, why not be comfortable after the game, right? What's the big deal about a robe? <laughs> I can't believe he wore robes. Yeah, Oak wore robes. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of different things we had going into the showers <laughs> and relaxing. And I mean, it is what it is, but it sounds like Oak, Oak just having fun yeah. with Pat, which that happened a lot. Um, and that not just Oak, but, you know, poking fun at guys, that happened a lot. Did you watch Oak on Dancing with the Stars? Yes, I did. I watched one episode. My my daughter was watching it, and I got a chance to see one episode. I thought he did well. I don't think he made it. No, he was the first one out. Yeah, I just commend <laughs> anyone that put that that's going to put themselves out there. Yeah. Um, like that, I have no reason to poke fun at them for getting up there and doing that. That is true. Um, it is commendable. A, I, I can't that, get up and dance on a dance floor. <laughs> No. no cameras on, so. Exactly. <laughs> you know, obviously the Knicks have been lacking a true point guard that can take them beyond this level they've been stuck at for a while. So I think we're just curious. It's it's obvious the Knicks are 
aiming for a point guard in the first round this year. They've got a couple picks. Is there anyone of the group of point guards everyone's talking about that that you like? I know Cole Anthony, who is the son of a former teammate of yours, Greg Anthony, is in there. He's dropped a lot on everyone's boards. But do you like these guys like Halliburton, Lamelo, Killian Hayes? Or any, do you think any would be a great fit for New York? Do you like any of their games specifically? I mean, I've heard the same thing. You know, when I was there, you know, the Knicks needed a point guard, you know, or, or someone with a bigger name um, and all those types of things. And I just think you have to find the right fit for your group um, and how you want to play. Having a big name doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have great success, you know, especially in the draft, because right now not very many guys have played in the NBA, um, and you're only projecting what you think. It's it's a hit-or-miss deal, and it really depends on the development of that player in the the organization uh, and how they develop that player. Um, And I know there are great options out there, but you still have have some young players there um, that they've drafted over these last few years you know, if you can get a, a legit guard that can, you know, distribute, um, score from, you know, three levels um, in the draft, then, you know, that's a great deal. You know, Chris and I, for the most part, you know, we were two-headed monster. And, you know, when it was all said and done, you know, we our goal was to be the best we can be for our team. Um, and we put our numbers together um, in order to make up one what one person would do. Um, and so that was our whole philosophy. I know with Chris and I, uh, when we played uh, during those years, um, and, you know, everyone said, well, we need a bigger name. And then after me, it was Stefan Marbury was the name. And then you had, you know, the same issues, even though you had a bigger name, you had the same issues, you know, when it came down to the winning part. Um, and then just, just a snowball effect. I just think it's important, whoever they draft, uh, they're going to have to develop them. Um, and they're going to have to be willing to live with some mistakes, especially if it's a point guard, because they're going to be young and they're going to make mistakes. You need veteran presence to be able to help them understand what it looks like to be a professional. And that's one of the things I was blessed with having was a veteran point guard in my position. Oh, we have veterans across the board. You know, when Monty Williams was drafted, we had veterans across the board to help teach us, you know, what it looks like to be a professional, to work hard. Um, and I think that's lacking a lot of times, not just with the Knicks, but a lot of uh, organizations that struggle. Um, they don't have that veteran presence uh, to be able to share them, share with them what winning looks like. You know, the work part, you know, spending time in, in, in the um, watching film, you know, taking care of your body. All those things, you know, play a big part in being a professional and also being the best player that you can be. And so if you don't have that, um, then it you're going to have a process where it's going to take a little bit longer, uh, which is fine if that's where you have time. Uh, but I think at this point, the Knicks may be looking at two years from now of trying to be uh, a team that can at least start progressing towards a playoff berth. I don't know about next year, depending upon the roster, uh, but definitely in two years, I can see 
Thibodeau getting it turned around to where they are at least a playoff team. Well, Charlie, I want to thank you for coming on with us today. Thank you for giving your heart and soul to the Knicks for, for those those nine plus years. Thank you for not leaving, even though when you came, New York seemed a little, you know, like a little much. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, I want everyone to listen to Charlie's podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's called Believe in the ACC. Charlie, I don't know if you want to plug that in any additional way or tell anyone what that's about. Um, I was, we're just talking about ACC sports. Um, my, my co-host is uh, Lloyd Spence Jr. And um, and so we're on uh, live Monday nights, Monday and Wednesday nights. Um, I think it's on Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, I do believe, as well. Uh, but it's on the Believe uh, Podcast Network. It comes out every Tuesday and Thursday, but we're live on Monday and Wednesday nights at 8.30 to 9.30. Awesome. So everyone check that out. Charlie, thank you again. I just want to say thanks for, for being with us. Like we said, like Craig said at the beginning, it's it's a it's a thrill. It's a big thrill for us. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of other questions I have. Yeah, obviously we can't take up your time. But thank you so much uh for, for uh, spending uh, some time with us, Charlie. And just for all those memories from the nineties. Yes. Well my pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. And um all the best to you all. As we continue to move forward as Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> Go Knicks. Go Knicks. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you much, Charlie. Much. We really oh, appreciate welcome. it. Y'all have a great day. You too. You too. Be well. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. That was the longest I have ever gone in the history of this show without saying the fuck word. So. <laughs> yeah, I commend you. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, I like that. Like in the in our in our group text. Like the night before, we're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Craig, you know, you probably shouldn't do the whole Charlie motherfucking Ward thing. Oh, it killed me to not be able to do that. I've done that for every guest we've had. You know, he's a he's a religious guy. I had to talk to myself. And Barry, you gave me a heads up. You were like, you cannot even curse during this interview. Right, right. (laughs) And so I had to give myself a pep talk to not curse. I'm shocked that I was able to not, honestly. Yeah, I commend you. Well done. Season four, starting off as clean as can be. You guys hear that music? It is time. He is not ready. He is he is flustered. <laughs> but it is what is that drink, Landy? <laughs> what the fuck? Hold on, hold on, juice. hold on, hold on. It's just water. what was that? Was that an is that an orange Julius? No, it's just an orange cup. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it looks like a creamsicle smoothie or something. Remember the orange Julius at Smith Haven Mall? It's good stuff. I used to love those. Do they have those anymore? I don't believe so. Talking about the 90s. That's not like the monkey, right? The monkey is something else. A but monkey? It's a clothing store, Julius. Is there a Julius with a monkey? What the fuck is he talking about? You know what I'm about? talking about? No. I'm going to tell you right now. We're talking about a, a, dr- a, f- a frozen treat drink that was sort of like a creamsicle, orange creamsicle type drink that they sold at the malls. All right. Well, let's get this music going again, guys. You hear that music? It is time for the news with Blanderson Hooper. All right, let's just jump right into it so you know. Nothing better than jumping right into it than saying you're jumping right into it. Right, you're jumping right into it. Jumping you don't right even have it. to say, I'm jumping right into it. Just fucking jump right into <laughs> it. You already, you already missed the later. jump. Oh, God. Can't. <laughs> you can't jump right into it if you're talking about how you're going to jump right into it. That's like, I'm going to scare you. No, that's, <laughs> right. not the, that's not the same thing at all. Yes, it is. Because that's a surprise. <sighs> All right, so obviously the big news is just the the signing of the CBA for the upcoming season. I'm going to throw a whole lot of dates at you and a whole lot of numbers. Are you ready for that? Yeah, we are ready. So we know that the draft is coming up next Wednesday. It's the 18th. 
Um, now that the CBA has been uh, signed, there's still actually a moratorium on trades. And that will probably be until sometime next week, probably two or three days before the draft that'll be lifted. So that way they can start making deals before the draft. But as of now, there's still a moratorium on trades. How do we get a moratorium uh, on Bleacher Report and these fucking trade rumors? That's what I like to do. We said before that on the 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, that's when they can start negotiating the free agent deals. And then on the 22nd at 12.01 Eastern Standard Time is when they can sign. Uh, as for th- free agency, remember the, the cap is going to stay the same as it was this year, $109 million. The luxury tax staying the same, $132 million. If you remember, behind, other than the, the Hawks, no other team has as much cap room as the Knicks, who are about 40 Forty-one million, I think, and the Hawks are around forty-four, forty-five million. Uh, camp starts on the first of December, which is, <sighs> I mean, crazy. I mean, free agency starts, and ten days later, camp starts. Good luck with that. And then three weeks later, the the season starts on the twenty-second. Seventy-two game season, you know, instead of eighty-two. And then um, the only other big thing about the season is that, depending on the state, the 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 league has sent out protocols to those teams that may actually be able to begin the season with fans in the stand. And there's some crazy rules. Fans within 30 feet of the courts have to register a negative coronavirus test two days prior to the game or a rapid test on the day of the game. No food or beverages for fans within 30 feet of the court. Uh, anybody above the age of two has to wear a mask. Uh, they'll probably install plexiglass behind the benches. You know, we talked last week about the suites and whether that's going to be 25% capacity or 50% capacity. Yeah, but numbers are changing per state daily. I mean, New I York just came out today. Well, listen, you know, we're, we're, and there's new we're stuff in place towards, on Friday. We're, we're heading towards another shutdown here. Yeah. OKC finally has a coach. They hired Mark Danyo, I guess. Danyo, uh, who was their actual, he was actually their G League coach. I think he's the first G League coach to, to move up from the G League level of a, an organization to actually coach. Um, Danyo, what is he, French? French Canadian. Daniel, yeah, I, I, he must be. I'm assuming, unless it's pronounced Dagniolt, which I'm, I'm, you know, I I doubt that. Uh, Tim Duncan has stepped down uh, after one season as Spurs assistant coach, and then uh, Nate McMillan was hired. I think in Atlanta. There's a lot of former head coaches that are getting assistant coach jobs in a bunch of places, and then Celtics legend and Hall of Famer Tommy Hudson. Heinsohn died at the age of 86. And then the only other thing is just all these, the trade rumors. All right, that's not part of your news plan. What a slow news week. Yeah, there's not much going on. Why what, about the Knicks, what, about the, what about the COVID uh, cases at the Knicks training? Well, I thought we would talk about that during the show itself. That's why I didn't put it in here. Yeah, well, do you have any info on that? I know that they had to, it was three staff members, so they had to shut down the facilities in, where is it, uh, um Greenberg? And we don't know what kind of staff members it was. not Was it part of the coaching staff? Was I it... don't believe so. It just said three staff members. Okay, so so everything will be fine. Yeah, it's, no, it's nobody on the roster or anything like that. And that's the way the basketball bounces. I was waiting for it. I was about to ask. Didn't want to do it two weeks in a row. Well, because I was going to I was, I was <laughs> Google about the three Nick staffers, but... I don't think there's any info out there on them. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. If you want to reach out to us, it's hardnickslife at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at hardnickslife. You can follow Barry at Barry Dworkin. You can follow Jay at Blandy Hooper. If you like our show, please, wherever you listen, leave us five-star ratings and or positive reviews. And you can call us. That's right. Phone lines are always open. New season, same number, Barry. No voicemails? Macho Man didn't call back or anything? 516... 516- 
33 <laughs> mesh one. Why, Blandy, do you have to point out the lack of voicemails? <laughs> That's 516 Patrick Ewing mesh Chris Childs. Barry, let me ask you a question, by the way. Did you have to make Charlie feel bad at the end of that interview? I was trying to make him feel good. That he was a good guest and I had more questions. That me. you had so many more questions that you wanted to ask, but Charlie has to go. <laughs> it wasn't to make him feel bad, it was to make him feel good. <laughs> Jay, didn't you feel weird when Barry said that? Yeah, I mean, it looked like you were kind of trying to exert some pressure on him. Like you were expecting him to be like, oh, no, yeah, I got some extra time. I, it yeah. wasn't, I didn't mean to do it like that. I meant to do it, you know, just in, in praise. <laughs> well, it did not come off that way. Huh? Came off like you were trying to pressure the man. And then after we were after we were done, he was asking Charlie for his number to get the questions to him. Yeah, that was <laughs> really not. I mean, to ask to ask if you could text him later, that crossed the line. Very unprofessional. Did it? All right, guys. Well, that's that's the start of a new season, and I hope that this is a better one than normal. Is it a bad sign that I'm already? planning to be tanking this year yeah for next yeah, year's at least draft. wait and see that's a bad sign yeah yes. <laughs> i'm not even saying wait and see you know a few games in but at least wait and see what your roster is yeah i mean listen if if all we're doing is adding the draft a draft pick you know the number eight pick to this and not getting anybody big in free agency or anybody I- there's going to be there's going to be a shake-up no, there's going to be a shake. I'm not saying we're going to get these big names here, but there's going to be a shakeup. It's going to be a different looking team. Here's my here's here's my big prediction for this offseason, which is coming up fast. Big prediction. We're tra- we're trading for Chris Paul. It's going to be both Dallas future first round picks, Julius Randle and Kevin Knox for Chris. Paul. Oh, that's close to it's- what I had uh, thrown out there last week. Except I had Bobby it- Portis in there. You know, sign him okay. and, and trade him instead of Knox. It's happening. I would do that. And and supposedly the Lakers, according to Stephen A. Smith, the Lakers are not on Chris Paul's list. He does not want to go to L.A. So he wants the Clippers if he goes to L.A. He said L.A. He wants L.A., just not the Lakers. Just not the Lakers. He doesn't want to go to a team that's already done it. He doesn't want to be joining a team that's already made it to the promise line. He wants to help a team. So like Kevin Durant. He doesn't want to be a bitch like Kevin Durant. Right. Right. He didn't well, say then watch words. out if Russell Westbrook ends up, ends up on the Clippers, then where's Chris Paul going? Yeah, that's true. All right, guys. Thanks again to Charlie Ward. Welcome to season four. All right, guys. Until next time, everyone enjoy the draft. It is a hard Knicks life. I don't know why this is coming to mind, but we had a goldfish die this week oh, in our house. We, I'm sorry. Yeah. What was its name? I think it was the orange one was the name. What? <laughs> they didn't Fish. have names? Fish one and fish two. You have two children in your house and they didn't name the fish. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.